Father's Day. So happy Father's Day. I need to start there. I'll forget. Happy Father's Day uh, to the fathers who are here. Uh, there's a few moments in my life that I recognize responsibility. A few moments in my life like that are seared in my memory for like that, oh my, or what am I doing now? Probably the moment I got married was one of those oh my moments. Uh, The moment someone handed me keys to a church in Crawford, Nebraska, and I realized I couldn't blame anybody else but myself now, that was an oh my moment. And I remember when we were in uh, the hospital and and, uh, they, they put Avery in my arms and it was like an oh my moment. And so today I want to talk to, to fathers, but I want to talk to everybody in this room about feeling equipped for the moments that God has placed us in. You know, because at times I think we, see, we feel so unprepared or unqualified. I'm going to tell a story in a little bit where I was ready for like the return policy. Like, how do I, how do I trade out of this deal? Because I'm not who I thought I was and this isn't what I thought it would be. Can I trade it in? You know, and so... Uh, Joe's here today, so I think that's great because uh, he, I think he's witnessed every duct tape sermon. Duct tape is a phenomenal thing. I was thinking about if I were to give a survival kit to dads, like what would I want to put in it? And I decided that the one thing for sure that dads would need would be duct tape. Because truly, uh, some of the greatest innovation in this world has come through a roll of duct tape. We can use duct tape for a multitude of things, a multitude of ideas. We think of duct tape, and it can be used to tape up pipe. What's the big deal? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a tape to fix ducts. That, not ducts like quack, but ducts like air ducts. That's, that's what it's for. But the reality is, uh, there's a multitude of ways at which duct tape has been utilized. There were going to be some pictures. If the PowerPoint starts to work, we'll get to those. If it doesn't, then we're just going to... We're going to be here all right. Will I work now? I'll keep turning you off when I do that. Oh, it's because I hit stop. (laughs) So duct tape. There it is, fixing a pipe. There it is, fixing a window. There it is, making a billfold. There it is, making a flower. There it is, doing some fingernails. There it is, making a hammock. There it is, upholstering a chair. And check out this dude right here. There it is, making a suit. Literally duct tape, guys. Now, I don't know if you know this. Young people who are still here, they have a contest every year about going to prom with either a duct tape dress or a duct tape tux. And you can win, like, a scholarship or something if you send them a picture. But I'll tell you what, there's some pretty crazy pictures of suits and dresses on duct tape's website. Literally, on their website, there's 245 different craft ideas, all that come from A roll of tape. So why wouldn't I want to put a roll of tape in a dad's hands? I mean, duct tape can fix anything. And what duct tape can't fix, what WD-40 can get unstuck. Right? I mean, if you've got duct tape and WD-40, you're doing pretty good. WD-40, it's made for squeaky hinges. We know that. It's made to make things uh, work better. But it also is used, I was reading, uh, you can use it to waterproof your, your shoes. You can use WD-40 to remove paint, to remove sap, to remove bird poop from your car. I just said poop, sorry. You can use WD-40 to keep away spiders and ants. You can use it to condition 
wood. You can use WD-40 to uh, uh, get rid of, like if your fingers, you ever use super glue and your fingers are stuck together and they feel that way for months. You can use WD-40 to, to get the, the glue off your hands. You can use it to keep your, your, your locks on your car from freezing. You can use it to remove oil spots on your garage floor. I mean, the multitude of things. You can use this when your kids, dads, play with crayons and get them on the wall. Or markers that will remove crayons and markers from the wall. I didn't know this one. You can use it to remove stuck Legos. Dads, have you ever tried to get two Lego stucks at your kids? I mean, and you're like thinking you need all the force in the world to get those things apart? You can use WD-40 to get Legos apart. Why didn't I ever think of that? I want to equip dads for the role and responsibility that God has given them. You can take some of this WD-40, you can spray it on your plastic chair or your plastic furniture outside, and it will restore it. I mean, so talk about it. Duct tape and WD-40. I tell you what, you throw in some zip ties and a Leatherman, and I think we can solve the world's problems. Just a commercial. Dad, there's a roll of duct tape or a can of WD-40 back there for you to take home today with you uh, to remind you. And actually, I'll just say men. So if you're a man in this room or you think you're a man and you're not sure, you can take that. That could be taken in a whole lot of different ways now. Gosh, I mean young man is what I'm saying right now. And if you're absolutely desperate for some WD-40 or duct tape, take a roll with you. But uh, I was talking about myself and, you know, I, I talked about those moments in my life when Avery was put in my arms and everything else. And when Avery was born, we were in the hospital for a while. Uh, she was an emergency C-section. Tam lost a lot of blood, so we stayed there for a while until her hemoglobin got up. And, and that week in the hospital was great because I was a dad, I thought, you know, and I'd take my daughter and, you know, if she had a dirty diaper, guess what would happen? The nurses would come in. <laughs> This is a good deal. If she was hungry, the nurses would come in. If she was crying, the nurses would come in. When we wanted to go to sleep, the nurses would come in. I mean, talk about a good deal. This parenting thing wasn't so hard. I thought I had it all figured out. I'm pretty good at this dad thing. Our first night at home. So we'd been in the hospital for a week. Our first night at home. I better get Patriotics due or whatever his name is off the screen. Our first night at home, we get ready to go to bed. We got a little packing place set up next to our bed because we literally had a bedroom in our house that we lived in. There wasn't room for much more than just the, the king-size bed. And We tried to put Avery down to sleep, and she did what kids do. She started to cry, and she cried, and she cried, and she cried. So we changed diapers, we bounced, we sang, we cooed, we stood on heads, we acted like fools, trying to get her to be quiet. And she cried, and she cried, and she cried, and she cried. And in the middle of her crying, I can recall thinking to myself, can I get a return? Because I'm not ready for what's about to come. I can't handle one night at home with my daughter. I remember thinking I might not be good enough for this role that God has given me. I might not be equipped 
And it's a good thing they didn't give me duct tape or WD-40 or it might have been used for some other purposes on that night. And Tam's mom happened to be with us and she came in and got Avery and I don't know what she did. She took Avery to the couch and we didn't hear a peep and we slept all night and it was an encouragement from that moment on. But the reality of that moment of feeling like, am I ready for what God has called me to do? Am I equipped for the responsibility that God has given me? In my sermon today, it's, it's called the full armor of dad, but it's also, it's for moms, it's for, it's for friends, it's for employees, it's for bosses, it's for Sunday school teachers, it's for the pastor. I believe that we all face these moments where God has given us an opportunity to lead, an opportunity to minister. And there are moments where we stand there as a young pastor in a crazy town wondering, what did I sign myself up for? You know, it's interesting as I'm, as I'm preaching on Father's Day. If you go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, it starts in an interesting place. And dads, get ready. You're going to love where I start this morning. The first verse of Ephesians, chapter 6, says, Children, obey your parents in, this, in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And all the dads say, Amen. Like, go get the kids in kids' church right now, Pastor. You're preaching what they need to hear. Children, obey your parents. We love that, that verse, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Then we go to, and maybe some kids feel this way, uh, it's interesting because we go from dads and kids to slaves and masters. I'm not saying that's the biblical application of father-son relationship either, by the way. It may feel that way sometimes, but no. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. Since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with them, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. And I want to pause right there for a moment, because how do we get, how do we get from children, obey your parents, to put on the full armor of God? How are we going from, do you ever read the scripture and wonder what's the jump? Like, what's the connection? Like, when I read about the full armor of God, I'm thinking about this tremendous battle where I'm fighting these, these forces that are beyond me. But, but Paul, when he wrote to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians is a letter of Paul to the church in Ephesus, and it really follows two themes. The beginning of this book, chapters 1 through 3 or so, they begin to talk about how are we redeemed. So the redemptive power of God. And the second half of this book begins to be the principles or the application of a redeemed life. How do I live a redeemed life? And so the thought process here is that we're talking about roles. Fathers, sons, slaves, masters. We could change whatever roles those are. But 
But God is showing us that we have been redeemed. And when we're redeemed, there's a, there's a new level at which we lead from in those positions. There's a new level of accountability or a new level of responsibility that comes. And so in order for us to be fully equipped, I believe that Paul does what Pastor was going to try to do when he comes up with his father's survival kit. Like if he was going to give a dad a survival kit or he was going to give him tips, he says, if you're going to be a slave, if you're going to be a master, if you're going to be a kid, if you're going to be a dad, here's what you need to do. Verse 10 says, finally, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers And requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. There was a lot of of verses, but the reality uh, of those verses, they bring us to a point. Paul started talking about dads. And he started talking about children and parents and their relationship with their parents. And, And he comes to this place of a reality that we have to be aware of. He says, I'm going to give you a toolkit, but I'm giving you this toolkit for a reason. And that reason is there is an enemy who is scheming to, to take down what responsibilities I've set before you. You put on the full armor of God. Why? Be strong in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I want to tell you there is absolutely an enemy that wants you to fail at the responsibilities God has given you. There is absolutely an enemy who is set out to cause you to stumble and fail. That comes to being a father, that comes to being a teacher, that comes to being a pastor, that comes to being a boss, that comes to being a husband, a wife, an aunt, an uncle. There is an enemy who is set out to destroy you. His desire is that you would absolutely fail. Fathers, there is an enemy who wants to take your children captive. I don't know how else to say it. There is someone, according to 1 Peter chapter chapter uh, 5, verse 8, he says, Be alert and of a sober of mind. Your, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Fathers, if I told you there was someone outside your daughter's window wanting to destroy her, to devour her, what would you do? I think you'd load up the shotgun. Can pastors say that? I don't know. The pastor would probably do that. 
We're going to do whatever it takes to protect our daughter from the, the enemy that's threatening them. I don't know. if we've truly recognized the enemy that stands before us. You know, people think you're kind of weird when you start talking about the devil or demons. People think you're kind of strange if you, if you acknowledge the devil or demons or whatever else. But the reality is there is absolutely an enemy. There is a devil and his desire is that, that all would perish and none would have everlasting life. That's his desire. His desire is that your children would fall. His desire is that your children would fail. His desire is that your marriage would fall apart. His desire is that you would be broken. You would leave the responsibilities, those areas of influence that God has given from you, defeated and broken. We have to acknowledge the reality of an enemy. Because if you don't think there's an enemy, then why would you get ready for battle? If it's just some little dude with a cartoon port pit, uh, uh, pitchfork, what's the big deal? I can defeat him by hitting off on the TV. I can change the channel even. I can put up a basketball game. God ordained Paul to write this letter, starting with the relationship with children and parents. Because there is an enemy who desires to destroy those relationships. And for us to hear what God has to hear, we have to affirm the reality of this word. There is a devil who is prowling around like a roaring lion wanting to destroy us. Now, it's not something to be feared. It's something to cause us to engage because I'll say we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And we just say, I, I'm going to see a victory. We will see a victory. He is a defeated devil that needs to be reminded at times of what happened on the cross when Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. The reality that sin and death was defeated, is defeated, and will always be defeated. He needs to be reminded of those things, but he, he functions to destroy us, to get us to forget those things. There is absolutely an enemy who is prowling around looking to destroy. So what do we do? The word says, put on what? Huh? The full armor of God. And I want to pause there. We're going to get to the armor of God in just a moment. But he absolutely said the full armor of God. And so each piece that we're going to talk about, I could probably preach on this for seven weeks. I'm going to preach on it today for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. That's where we're at. But the reality is, is that he's called us to put on the entirety of the armor. Now, let's just play a game. You're the enemy and I'm me. And I decide to come out to battle without my helmet on. Where are you going to attack? Okay, so I put my helmet on, but I don't have my breastplate on. Where are you going to attack? Our chest. There's a reason that, that Paul outlines the full armor of God because each piece of this armor is imperative for us to stand in this battle. Each piece is imperative for us to be victorious in the battle that we're, right, we're, we're, we're in because the enemy will always attack the place of vulnerability. So as we talk today, it's not just I need to put this one on or that one, but this is to put on the whole armor the whole uh, survival kit, the whole thing that God has set before us. And so that armor, it starts with the belt of truth. 
So if I went back to this picture, the belt of truth is, is what we're going to talk about. Which is this piece, if you can see, right here. It's that whole thing. Now, I, I show the whole thing because there's these things in the front that protect our man parts. I mean, I'm sorry, ladies, if that was a little bit too crude, but that's the reality of what was happening there. It said Roman soldiers, that when they were ready for battle, they would gird it up. They would tighten their belt. But why do I, t- why do I have a belt on this morning? For your sake, not mine. Because it sure holds everything together. In Roman soldiers, it said that when they were preparing for battle, they would tighten their belt. I mentioned the, the part in the front because it does protect the most sensitive of parts. I would call that the flesh of man. And it says that when they were done with battle, they would loosen their belt. Like everything was okay now. It didn't have to be tight. But it, it's the belt of what? Truth. We spent time this year talking about the importance of truth. What holds it all together, what holds everything in place is absolute truth. I will tell you, there is absolute truth in this world. People will look in a lot of different places, people will look in a lot of different ways, but there is absolute truth in this world. And we have to allow this to be what holds everything together. And so when our life and our circumstance, they seem to contradict this, I know what the Word of God says, and that's what holds it all together. Paul says, as I'm preparing for battle, as you're preparing for battle, you must protect yourself with the belt, that which holds it all together, of truth. Dads, you need truth. Moms, you need truth. Kids, you need truth. Students, you need truth. We have to know the truth because the truth is what holds it all in place. Without the truth, my, my pants are going to fall down. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to trip and fall. And everyone's going to defeat me. The enemy will laugh at us when there is no truth. And the truth says that then we put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does the breastplate guard? Your heart and all your organs. All your vital, all your vital organs are what, it's going, are what it's guarding. What is guarding all your vital organs? Your heart. Righteousness. How does that work? How do I put on righteousness? You see, I think the enemy, we talked a little bit this morning in Sunday school, likes to attack the reality of righteousness. It seems like a concept that, that we can never attain to. I'm not good enough. I screwed up yesterday. I screwed up this morning. Pastor stood before the church last week and said he doesn't like people. I mean, all these things that can be said. But the reality is, in Romans chapter 3, apart from the law of the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. Righteousness, this righteousness, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Where do I get righteousness? It is a what? If it's given through faith in Jesus Christ, it's a gift. So, excuse me this morning. Happy Father's Day, Walt. How come Walt has WD-40, or not WD-40, but I guess i got to give him WD-40 now too. Dang it. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Walt. 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 Happy Father's Day
Happy Father's Day, Walt. Well, I just won't have a thing of WD-40 and, 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 and duct tape this morning. What did he do to get it? He received it. That's what he did. He received what was given to him. God has given us righteousness through faith. We have to know that it is ours no matter what. So if Gary tries to take his duct tape now, uh-uh, that's mine. It was given to me. Now he'll share because he's a good husband. So often we quantify righteousness by the way we're living. He says the law of righteousness of God has been made known. There's no difference, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned. We've all screwed up and fallen short of the glory of God and were justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. In another place, and he talks about we're, there's people who are under the law of sin and death rather than the law of righteousness or the Spirit of God. We are slaves to righteousness, not slaves to sin. I am defined by the righteousness of God, not my failures in life. Because I believe in the gift that has been given me. I have faith in the promise that has been given me. My heart is guarded. You know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to attack your heart. And he wants to tell your heart, you're not good enough. He wants to tell your heart, look at what you just did. He wants to tell your heart, remember what you just thought? No believer in Christ would think that. He wants to attack the very righteousness that God has given you. Well, I will tell you, when Jesus Christ said it is accomplished or it is finished on the cross, that was your redemption, that was your righteousness, that was your right standing before God. Nothing can take that unless you give it away. Now, Walt could give his duct tape. I won't make him do it to Joe. And he no longer has it. It's because he chose to give it away. We choose to give away our righteousness when that's not what God intends. It's by faith. That's the confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the reality that the cross has forgiven my sin. That's the sin that I did. That's the sin that I'm doing. And that's the sin that I'll do tomorrow. Because guess what? We're all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the power of the cross is true. And I'm defined by what is right standing through the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to get ready for battle. And he says... For our feet to be fitted with the readiness or preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. So we've talked about a belt of truth, the truth that holds everything together. The breastplate of righteousness, that's my right standing with God. Now my feet are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Now why would I put shoes on for battle? Huh? To protect them? You know what else they said that, that the soldiers of that day did? They studded their shoes. So they had studs in their shoes coming out the bottom. You know why? So they could be sure-footed. <laughs> On Christ, the solid rock I stand. And all other earth is, all other earth is sinking stand. You know, the reality is I need to know that I have sure footing when I'm in battle. I mean, I just picture a guy on an ice rink trying to sword fight with someone. I don't think it's going to turn out well for him. You know what I mean? Like falling down and, and not being able to do anything. He wants our feet to be sure-footed with what? The good news of peace. 
Jesus said, peace I give you. Peace I leave you with. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Sometimes in the battle, we get rather frightened and our feet seem to be not so sure-footed. I need to be able to stand with the peace of God. That means it doesn't matter if the storm is brewing. That doesn't mean, that means it doesn't matter if the giant is mighty. I'm standing sure-footed with the peace of God. Might this hurt? (laughs) Might I get wet in this storm? But I got peace. And so I stand in the battle on the peace of God. It's a peace that Scripture says transcends understanding. I want my life. I mean, I'm telling you, that moment in my bedroom, I had no peace. She was crying, she was screaming, and I wanted to sleep. I wanted peace to be still. We make some pretty bad decisions when our feet aren't on shore ground. He says, put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet fitted with the good news of the gospel. And then he says, to pick up the what? The shield of faith. To do what? To extinguish the the fiery darts, he says, of the enemy. And it's an interesting thing, again, thinking about who Paul was writing to. At that time, the shield would produce protection from fiery darts. They would often soak their darts in pitch and let them on fire, light them on fire when they were in a battle. So what happens if a burning dart hits your breastplate? It may not kill you, but it's going to burn you. It may not hit your heart, but I'm sure it's going to smolder for a while. So he said, you need something. It's a shield of faith. That's the confidence That's the the confident assurance we have of who God is, my faith. To then protect the darts from even getting to my body. Because if I use a shield to stop that fiery dart, it's going to burn on my shield, but it's not going to affect me at all. The shield of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, ten, we demolish arguments and every pretension that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I'm telling you, at times we've got to be aggressive with our shields. I said we have a real enemy who desires to kill, steal, and destroy. And his tactic is to shoot darts at us that will cause us to question who God is, that will cause us to question the ability of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the truth of the gospel. And I want a shield of faith. That's my belief, my confident assurance in who God is, that when the enemy shoots one of those darts, the first thing I do is not let it come hit me, but I throw up my faith that says, no, that can't come near me. The shield of faith that I can take captive those arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. I love it because this is an active thing we can do. I can raise that shield and protect myself from the enemy's attack. And then he says, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. 
I'm going to read this verse and I'm going to talk just a little bit. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith, love, and love as a breastplate in the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. We have a helmet of salvation. What does a helmet protect? Your head. Now I want you to think about a helmet, I want you to think about the breastplate, and I want you to think about the the belt. Jesus was questioned with this question. Master, what is true religion? What's the greatest commandment in all commandments? And what was his response? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The breastplate of righteousness protects my heart. The helmet of salvation protects my mind. The belt of truth protects my flesh, my soul. Paul is giving us a strategy in order to be able to withstand the attack of the enemy. I need to put on a helmet of salvation to protect my mind. I tell people all the time, put on the helmet because the enemy wants to get to your brain. And then he says to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the offensive weapon we have. That's the truth. That's how we put the truth in play. I was talking to someone yesterday. They were going through a situation. And we were talking about their circumstance. And, and, and when we got to the end, this is what we recognized. He or they, they needed the Word of God to combat the attacks of the enemy. And I shared with him, and I'll share it this morning, in the wilderness, what did Jesus use to fight back? It was the Word of God. Why did Jesus use the Word of God to fight back? Because it's truth. And because it's truth, it will take captive the arguments. And so for us, we have a sword, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's powerful and effective. You need the Word of God to fight the battles. Fathers, I encourage you. Mothers, I encourage you. Uh, Friends, I encourage you. Children, I encourage you. Look for verses that you can speak in situations because they are absolutely the Word of God. It is absolutely powerful and effective. It will defeat the enemy because it is truth. It is absolute truth and he can't fight against it. Yeah, in in the wilderness, he tried a few times. But he never won because Jesus went back to the Word time and time again. And finally, you guys can come up now. He said, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Walt talked about this verse. I'll read this verse again. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You have the tools to be victorious in the responsibilities God's given you. Dads, you are able to be excellent Fathers, mothers, you are able to be excellent mothers. Husbands, excellent spouse. Wives, vice versa. We've been given 
the equipment. We just have to implement the tool. I can have WD-40 and the squeakiest door possible. I was in a place the other day, and the door squeaked. Every time someone opened the door, everyone turned. I know that place had a can of WD-40, but they just weren't using it. And I wanted to go find that can of WD-40 and squirt it on that hinge so not everybody would be distracted. But we live with the tools, and we never implement them. The enemy is real. He desires destruction. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. I need the full armor of God. That's every piece. That's truth. That's righteousness. That's peace. That's salvation. That's faith. That's the sword of the Spirit. That is the Word of God. And he says, when I'm equipped, we pray. He says, pray in the Spirit on all kinds of occasions. Well, I guess... Father's Day is an occasion. With all kinds of prayers and requests. This morning I want us to take time. And I know there's probably picnics and gatherings and if you need to go, you can go. But I want us to take the time to engage in the battle. There are people around us who need someone to fight for them. Parents, your children need someone to battle for them. Friends, your friends need someone to battle for them. Church, your community needs someone to battle for them. The enemy is real. He wants to hurt. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. And I'm not okay with that. And so it's time for us to be who God has called me to be. To not be that frightened young dad wondering, can I get a return policy on this? But to be that young crazy soldier who just feels empowered to take everything that is his because he knows his command. That's the moment we're in. That's why we've got a prayer list that seems to be long. Because God is calling us To be who He wants us to be. God's calling us to be equipped with the full armor of dead. Because that enemy can't touch Avery. That enemy can't touch Levi. He can't touch Graham. And he can't touch Elliot. God gave them to me. And I'll do what it takes to protect them. Father, we come to you this morning. And God, we thank you for this word. It may be basic. It may be something that we've heard. But God, I pray that this day we recognize, God, that we are equipped for the work that you've set before us. In these moments, God, I pray for each of us that we can put on this full armor. You say we do this by faith in Jesus Christ. So if there's anyone in this room that doesn't have faith in Jesus Christ, it's as simple as confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. The Scripture says you'll be saved and you'll be equipped with this armor.
That by that confession and that belief, I'm now right, I'm in right standing with God. Father, I pray that we would put on the belt of truth to hold everything together. We would recognize that Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There is absolute truth we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would put on that breastplate of righteousness that says, I am made right with God. I acknowledge what the truth says, and I'm living in right standing now with Him. My feet, because of my right standing, they they are girded with the good news of peace. The promise that you have overcome this world, that there may be trials, there may be storms, but I'm standing confidently because of the peace of God that comes through my right standing with Him because I know what the truth says. And when the enemy tries to attack, I'm going to raise my faith up that says those arrows have no power in my life, that says those arrows cannot touch my children, that says those arrows cannot find a place to bring devastation in my home. Because I know the truth, I'll defeat the enemy with the very word of God. Father, I pray that in this place, we would be a people who are ready for battle. We would be a people who recognize the threats. But we would be a people who are confident because of the hope we have in you. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. As Walt and Gary lead us, I I encourage you to spend some time in prayer. I I, I don't know what that means. That may mean walking to someone else and, and saying, can I pray with you? That may mean praying where you're at. That may mean going and getting your kids from from kids' church and bringing them down here and praying with them. I don't know what it means for you, but he says to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. But Spirit-led prayer on all occasions that we can see the victory, that we can see the promises, that we can see the plans, the abundant life that is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen? I'm going to do this now and we'll linger as long as we need. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you be equipped for the calling that God has given you. Amen.